You're listening to KOOP Hornsby Austin 91.7 FM and on the web at koop.org. Welcome to Issues for Your Tissues, the definitive discourse on reproductive health and well-being with your host, Katie Vitale. The views and opinions expressed on Issues for Your Tissues may not necessarily reflect those of Co-op, its board of directors, or anyone else anywhere else. The information offered is not a substitute for the advice of a licensed medical professional, which I am not. Thanks for tuning in to Issues for Your Tissues. Welcome back to Issues for Your Tissues. I'm your host, Katie Vitale. I am excited as always. You guys know I'm always excited when I start the show on lovely Thursday evenings here in Austin, Texas. You might be listening here in Austin at 91.7 FM, or you could be uh, listening anywhere in the world on the World Wide Web, koop.org. If you are on the website, it's really easy to open another tab and look at the calendar. You can surf your way over to the Issues for Your Tissues Facebook page and blog and iTunes and all the stuff from there. So koop.org is the starting point for all of your adventures in Issues for Your Tissues. We have, uh, I have two very special guests um, with with me tonight to talk about uh, Google Bro. I, I hate using his name because I, I think that I want to reduce him to Google Bro from, from here forward. And, you know, I, I don't fault anyone for using his name, but I think that Google Bro is going to be it from here on out for me. And uh, I have I, uh, in the studio Heather Ross, who is a NARAL Pro-Choice Texas board member. And 
sorry, I'm cutting you off. And uh, she is a part of Women in Tech here in Austin and works at a game company here in Austin. And uh, Heather, I know that you're doing a lot of stuff in, in tech and with women and the combination of those two things. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, your background? Um, so I got a theater degree and then I fell into the gaming industry um, I grew up playing video games and loving technology and uh, I've, I really continue to do theater, especially um, crossing over and making sure that it's activist focused and that we really address issues that um, currently exist and will continue to exist unless we can really do something significant to change things. But as a woman in tech, I... It is difficult because you face a lot of challenges when you walk into a room quite often, especially when I first joined the industry, and I was usually the only woman, uh, and it was usually all white people, um, and if there were minority, like people of color, it was maybe one or two in the room. So what happens? Is, what would happen is that we would often gather together, and I relaunched the chapter of Women in Games to... Um, help really diversify, and then men would come up and ask and say, hey, are we welcome here? And for me, I had to tell them, I said, we're not trying to create an entirely separate industry of just women. We are wanting to work together with men and everybody in the industry to further diversify the industry from the inside out, which actually has been proven to increase profits because it makes no sense to only... Uh, make products to specific demographics like only men whenever it's women are 50% of the market and it makes and you could actually you know make characters that lead into that and really grow them Mm -hmm. so for me like what we're gonna be talking today I found it was difficult to read um, and very personal for me it was I was very personally offended but I also want to make sure that Google has addressed it. They have, um, and for me, the reason I probably won't call him a Google bro, aside from that time, is because... Oh, yeah, because he got fired, so he's no he longer... He got fired because he's just bro. of what he did, and I've read another article from someone who worked there and said what would have happened is if uh, he was on his staff and he saw that, he would have brought him in to a meeting, a very much smaller meeting, with him, with the two of them, his legal legal HR, they would have had a talk about it, and then he would have been escorted out of the building and his stuff mailed to him because they don't care for that stuff. And Google thrives on diversity, and they release their diversity report, their um, reports, and it shows that they do. So to I think to further damage Google based on this one person that they employed, um, his true, you know, true. memorandum isn't entirely fair. Yeah. Because there are all women that work there, and there are people that work there that felt, you know, injured by this, and then they're trying to, within Google, make sure that everybody feels safe. And they're working on it. They're working on it, and so that says a lot. I, I want to take a moment to introduce our second guest, who is Hollywood. Holly, can I call you a doctor? Is that okay? I, yeah, technically I am a doctor. <laughs> Doc, Dr. Hollywood, who is a sociologist, a rogue sociologist, who got her PhD from Harvard, her BA at Wesleyan, and is very feminist. And she is on Twitter. You can find her girl Ziplocked, and uh, she has been writing for um, on the internets. And you can find a, her recent piece on Medium. And I have 
I don't know if I've shared that one yet, but you can find it on the Issues for Your Tissues Facebook page later, which all the links for that will be accessible through coop.org. Um, I invited Holly specifically because of the piece she wrote uh, in reaction, but she's you know great overall, and I probably would have gotten around to inviting her anyway at some point in the future, uh, just because this is this is this really touched a nerve for a lot of women, and I think it really did a um, a good job of demonstrating the I don't want to call it revisionism, but the uh, Holly, what would you call the 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 behavior? <laughs> I know you yeah. termed it very interestingly, but how, how would you characterize <laughs> the defense of this guy? Okay. Um... So here's, here's the separate issue, right? So now we have the, the second issue. So we were talking before about the first, that's the, that's the um, first earthquake, right? The earthquake is the manifesto getting sent out to all the women, and then the second earthquake mm-hmm. is all of us reading about it, and then the third earthquake is all the men defending it. Like, Yeah, I agree. So there's this aftershock of all of what just happened and all the things that happened at Google and how it was terminated and all that. But there's this aftershock of knowing in your network, all these men are defending that action. Like they're like saying he shouldn't have been fired, um, that he should have been reeducated or that like, this is a problem that should be solved through HR, not through termination. And so you have this aftershock effect of all these dudes defending this behavior at Google and it's really shocking because it's 2017 and we just elected a misogynist president. And you, you would think people are, are trying to be more aware of how sexist our country is, right? But we're not because it's like the fact that there's these all these men who think that was perfectly like not terminal offense and that it's a, actually a violation of his free speech rights, which it's not because Google has no obligation to protect free speech rights. That's the government. The First Amendment's about protecting you from the government. But... Like, there's all these weird twists of defense and saying that, like, it's just you have no right to criticize this man. So I had, I had to come up with a term for all of that because we don't have one. <laughs> Is that, like, where all these guys defend, they defend, like, agree, at this point, just simply a gratuitously egregious behavior as, like, but it's like, you know, people, some guys don't know. And I'm like, no, it's 2017. Some guys got to know now. Um, if you work with human beings, you should know that you're, you don't talk to women like that. Um, and I agree. Yeah. And I also think a part of it is that's problematic is HR was involved in fire because he got fired. So to, to assume that HR wasn't involved, I guarantee you HR was involved. And the overwhelming decision that was made was it is better to fire this person than to spend so much more resources on the damage that he's done to continue paying him and re-educating him when that is not their job. Their job is, you know, is the company as a whole and, and protecting all of their employees. And him working there puts all of them, it makes everybody there uncomfortable and feel unsafe. And it really would just make things more problematic. Right. Uh, but the I think the responses to this have just been... I will say phenomenal or remarkable and that we are remarking on them uh, because I, I I feel like I'm tired of being surprised and I don't, I don't, the choices I feel like it's either be surprised or, uh, or, or, or just be, um, have no reaction or be like deadpan to it. But I have to, I have to feel something. There has to be a reaction. I shouldn't just accept or, um, that this should be go that this is going on or that this is this is a an adequate response to what this guy did because if 
if there was anything that his behavior was, it was the, uh, um, the impetus for the creation of a hostile work environment for every single woman who, who was there. And I was afraid when this was released that they wouldn't find out who it was. And then every woman walking around in that office would be wondering, or, you know, many, I can't speak for all of them, would be wondering, you know, was it you? Was it you? Was it you? Was it this guy? Which guy is it that is that thinks I'm genetically inferior and, and ill-equipped to do this work? I also think we need to keep in mind that it's not just women he's, bashing, he's pretty much bashing here. It, it's all minorities. Uh, he pretty much is standing up for cisgender, straight, white men and says how because it says that now that there's all these programs and resources for minorities, that it's made life completely unfair for white men. But what I think he fails to realize is that people are starting to acknowledge and realize that the people that have not, that, that have actually had to work, have been working so much harder to even get the, you know, a career advancements or anything that they do, they're actually realizing, hey, they might actually be better at their job or know more than you, and they might actually get an advancement. And if you haven't had to face that before because you're just so used to the privilege that you've always had, it might be quite shocking, and you might be quite offended and think that it's, oh, due to like all the stuff that's gone around, like Trump said. And, um, and, and I understand that that is a hard thing to face at first, but it's, that's the first step is facing it and then going, okay, but is that really what it is? Is it really them? Is it them just getting special treatment even though they aren't intelligent enough for it? Or is it that I've always received special treatment and now I can't just ride, ride along that, that path anymore? I actually have to work just as hard um, as they are. And the, for me, a huge part that was really, um, incomp- like, was really fascinating here is that he thinks um, that he puts all these things referencing research that he apparently thinks he has, but there's no link to any articles of research um, in his entire thing, in his entire document, and then, but also is, but is bashing everybody else, saying they don't know what they're talking about. But I'm like, but you clearly don't. You're not a psychologist. You're not a sociologist. You're not um, any of these things. You're an engineer, but you're not even a senior engineer. And being like, I read another article that said the important part of being an engineer, particularly a senior engineer, is understanding how to make your um, is how to communicate your product to the other people and so the optimizing systems exactly exactly it's, so it's not just you sitting in a room programming all the time you have to deal with people right and holly when when we talk about bros um singular plural all of them when we talk about um, many bros resistance to or defiance of the existence of uh, privilege uh, is there a, ter- a sociological term for that, or how how is that addressed in in your science? In my science, um, <laughs> I, I mean, there is privilege is basically the term that sociologists have sort of come. That's what we work with: this recognition of privilege. Um, and then there's the misrecognition of privilege and the denial of privilege. And and, and this is actually a very difficult concept for most people to understand: um, is that the interpretation of reality of the dominant is violently made the dominant interpretation of reality. 
Mm-hmm. That idea is very difficult to explain, even to college students, right? Like in sociology, uh, a major, um, some like a sociologist who's majoring in sociology in undergrad, she might spend three years grappling with just that idea that the interpretation of reality that you're given as a child that you grow up with is a reflection of the powerful and the legitimation of the powerful domination over the less powerful. And so literally that decolonization, that evacuation of that understanding and a replacement with one that's more accurate and reflects the power and equity of the situation, this is all extremely difficult to talk to about anybody. So, you know, sociologists will say, yeah, it's a privileged matrix, right? So Patricia Hill Collins will say that white men are on, like cishet white men are on the very top of a privileged matrix, right? Their perception of reality reflects what the dominant wants people to think. Because it's like that's what the rea- that's what this reality serves. It serves them. Um, and then the lower you go down the privilege matrix, the, the less privilege you have, um, the less accurate the dominant interpretation of reality is. It's like no, if you're a poor black mother in inner city Baltimore, your perception of reality is very different than a Silicon engineer, Silicon Valley engineer. Um, and so your perception of reality is one where you recognize that you are not advantaged. And the system does not work for you. And so we don't have a term for it per se, but privilege is really that perception. Um, it's the way that you see the whole enchilada, like how you see it, from where you see your, your perspective. Um, in German, we'll call it your Verstein. Um, it's how you're thinking about and what your place is and how you see everything. And if you're really advantaged, you see it from a very high point. And if you're very disadvantaged, you see it from a very low point. And, and that's that whole concept. really hard to explain. You'll spend years in sociology trying to understand it. I wanted to take a moment to remind listeners that you're tuned into Issues for Your Tissues on Co-op Radio, Co-op HD1, HD3, Hornsby. My guests tonight, Dr. Holly Wood, who is a sociologist, uh, educated at Harvard, and Wesleyan, who is also identifies as feminist, which uh, is, is, I, I guess, uh, not as popular as as it should be, I think, even after Beyonce did it. Still, people are resistant. Uh, My other guest tonight, Heather Ross, uh, another self-proclaimed feminist who is on the NARAL Pro-Choice Texas board and has uh, reinvigorated the Women in Games uh, organization here in the Austin area and works at a local game company and uh, has some firsthand I guess we all, we've all had some, all of us have had some firsthand um, experience with this kind of sexism. And, uh, and I think that it's, it's all um, valid. And your all of the experiences that we're having are valid. Uh, and the experiences to this Google document or this previously employed by Google bros, uh, manifesto, nay, screed, uh, have, have, um, elicited in, in us. So I, I'm, I'm very interested to, to hear more from both of you, but we're going to take a quick break and be right back with more Issues for Your Tissues. Welcome back to Issues for Your Tissues. I'm your host, Katie Vitale. My guests tonight, Heather Ross, who has, can I call you the founder, or the re-founder of Women in Games or um, not not the entire organization, just the Austin chapter. The Austin chapter, that's fair. And uh, Dr. Hollywood, who is a sociologist, who has written about the um, the manifesto released this weekend from a former Google employee. Uh, and Google had a town hall today, which I couldn't find any news about before we came on. So I'm I'm interested to see what happened with that. But 
you know, there's time. We'll find out. I'm sure we will. Um, I did want to ask you uh, about uh, Dr. Hollywood. Um, you have an awesome name, by the way. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you if you could give us pretty much a sociological breakdown of what he wrote, um, or at least what you like, how you interpreted it from a sociological perspective. Yeah, like not like a diagnosis of the material. Yes. I mean, if it was a research paper, you'd have to give it like a D. Like you couldn't. That's like, generous, right? <laughs> but, but I'm just saying, I'm like, and it's like you'd have to like almost you, you like. I'm going to be honest, if you plug that thing through a plagiarism machine, like, you know, we have those now, right? Where, um, like, if you send a student's document into um, a certain search engine, they, they can tell you how, how likely it is um, being plagiarized. Uh, and so, you know, we do, in academics, we have to do that sometimes, uh, especially with freshmen. And if I did that, like, you would find that a lot of the, the work was just ripped from things like Red Pill and, like, Reddit. And, like, all these, like, just, you know, male supremacist pickup artist kind of sites that um, aren't reputable mm-hmm. at all. Um, and they're not, they're not peer-reviewed journals. These are just some, like, guy like, basically a lot of the guys that um, marshal the alt-right movement are all, like, these entrepreneurial um, motivational speakers from people with really bad self-esteem. Um, and so, you know, they're... There's nothing. There's nothing in these. Like the, so, my scientific like it, it. It's more like how I look at it from the perspective of someone who grades papers who, or has graded a lot of papers. And it's like this isn't. This isn't anything. Like it's a lot of um, cliched opinions that um, almost like as if a bot had generated them. Like it digested all the hate sites that like try to like teach men that how to pick up women by like, nagging them and stuff. Um, and it regurgitated this ten-page document. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, because there was a lot of stuff I noticed in here, but it was really fascinating. At the very end, he like he says he's left. He tends to be left leaning, and I'm like, really? It does not quite seem like that at all. And then he said he follows it up saying um, that he supports diversity um, and inclusion, and that that's he wasn't meant to you know go against that. He just thinks that his viewpoint should be considered about how we should completely redo, like how everything that they're doing to to advance diversification should be completely either dropped or revised because in his opinion, it's not working Um, or it's having a negative impact. And I'm like, well, it doesn't seem to be at all. It seems to actually be working quite well. You're just upset because maybe you aren't getting like, what you want or something for me it feels like something happened that triggered this there had to be something that happened that triggered this or several small things that built up to triggering this because someone doesn't write something like this and put this much time into it or even no time off it was just pulled off a bunch of sites um, and then share it with the entire company considering how big google is without there being a like a reason or a motivation or some kind of trigger to do so. And I'm curious as to what that was. Yeah, I, I was thinking about it and uh, talking with other folks about this, and, and I was pretty sure, or I'm confident, that this guy probably walks around throwing off microaggressions at women and people of color all day long. And it's it's something that that I think is interesting, uh, interesting, um, 
ironic that at the end of the this uh, manifesto, he is asking people to look at his viewpoint, but his viewpoint, like uh, Dr. Wood just had said, is like the majority perspective from which all is supposed to be filtered. And when people start changing the filter, he got he got a uh, hurt. Well, and he also changes it. He also says this document is mostly written from the perspective of Google Mountain View campus. I can't speak about other offices or countries. And I'm like, but it's not written that way. And you should have put that at the very beginning. And you should have phrased it much more like this is, you know, he says this is my opinion. But as it goes on, it does not sound like he thinks that. He thinks this is something, this is the way that life should be lived. And he also clarifies that throughout the document by tech, I mostly mean software engineering, and I'm like, but software engineering isn't all tech, and when you, if you mostly meant software engineering, why didn't you just go back through and change it to software engineering? Because there's so much more, so many more other jobs and things involved with tech that aren't specifically software engineering, and software engineers can't do their jobs without all those other people to help. So it's really right. offensive to just all of a sudden say, hey, in case if you made it to the end of the document, then you'll know that I, this is what I meant. But if you didn't read it all the way, um, then you were offended. Yeah, then you'll yeah. miss it. And he also goes on about TLDR and, and somebody makes a comment that one of, of where I found it that says, I don't think he even knows what TLDR actually means. Too long to read it. It's like, clearly, this is very long. And I guarantee you, most of the people most people who read this, unless they made the effort, like I did, I, I was offended early on, and I, I, but I sat there and said, I'm, I need to read this entire thing, so if I get asked about it, I, I know what I actually, like I, know, like, I read the whole thing, and I can actually say, I read it in its entirety, and I, this is what I think, um, as opposed to, I read the first paragraph, and then I just stopped, because I couldn't handle it. It's like, but, but can we talk about this, because I think this is really important. Because it's the entitlement that everybody read it. That's, that's yes. really what, what gets my butt. Mm-hmm. I can say butt on public radio, right? Yes. Um, I curse a lot. This is hard for me. Um, but, you know, this, it really, that's what gets me. It's this idea that this, like, this engineer thinks that his opinion is so incredibly valid that he fires it off to the entire corporation as if, like, he is entitled to 10 pages of their time. And that he's superior to everybody else. His his opinion is superior to everybody else's. And the only reason that, like, if I wasn't a leader in the community and knowing that as a leader in the community I would be asked about this, I wouldn't have read it. Um, I would have said I'm offended. I just don't want to waste my time. I have too many other things to do that make me happy. Like, for example, I was at the Women in Tech Conference in um, in Austin this past weekend, and we didn't talk about it, at least nobody I talked to. We were so focused on, you know, talking to each other and helping each other, you know, advance each other's careers in the tech industry and get be inspired by each other that we're like, why on earth would we, like, damage this, you know, positive experience and, and like, this positive environment with this, be, like, yeah. negative thing that's going to just make us all feel like crap and rip down and then we'll just be venting about it for hours. Which is exactly why I had to come up with a term for when men defend it. Like, because they, it's, it's their way of, like, because it's now creating this, like, so my best friend Danilo is, like, he literally works in this world of inclusion, like, he's a consultant for inclusion and diversity, right? And so he, like, knows this world inside and out. And just, the, the, there are professionals who do this. Like, there are real legitimate professionals who study this stuff, know how it works, have it, like, locked down pat. 
and the audacity that people are like, well, you shouldn't fire people about that. And they're like, and that's exactly what you were saying before, how it's like actually it costs the company a lot more money to re-educate and like monitor him than it would be to just fire him. So from like the just economic model, it doesn't make sense to keep get, like let him keep his job. From the the, the flat line, this is how companies work. This is going to cost us more money than like not to keep him. Like we should get rid of him. But so when guys are defending his like that he stay, they're basically just saying. All the crap that you ladies have to put up with, like, every single day like this, I'm sorry, you just have to keep putting up with it. And so, like, we have to now have to talk, we have to have these conversations with the men that defended it, that are our colleagues, our, like, friends, our, like, boyfriends, our, you know, like, our family members who, like, come out and continually defend this stuff to us all the time. Like, and it's like, you're you're saying, like, like, all this, all the women in that workplace should have just, like, taken it. Well, and it's also where he talks about stress. And I'm going, that's insanely stressful to have to, like, we've, we've been taking all this stuff forever. I mean, women, and him saying, for me, the huge part was where he said it's, gen- it's gender-based. Like, women just aren't made for tech because we're just, it's kind of, it's like a lot of times where people say, we're, we just haven't been interested. I'm going, how long, like, not that long ago, women couldn't even, like, work. Go to school? We couldn't go to school. We couldn't have jobs. We couldn't vote. We couldn't um, get a credit card unless we had. We were married. Um, I have a friend that she was in, and she's still in the gaming industry and has been for a long time. And she's gotten a lifetime achievement award, all kinds of stuff. And she said when she got married, she she had got all that she had all this credit built up and all this stuff. But when she got married, she lost all of it because it all went to him. And she couldn't have a credit card of her own, and it took a while just to get to that point. And used to, you can take, you you couldn't even take birth control pills unless you're unless you were married and your husband signed off on it. And I mean, there's just so much stuff. It's like we've, if you're thinking in any way that we could, we haven't been able to deal with stress, it's like we were like, we are made to deal with stress. We are raised to deal with stress, and then just smile and act like that's just life. Right. And and it's not and it's. Um, and I'm like, you ha- like try having a period and going to work and doing your best to act like you're not in your period and that everything's fine and like every other day. So you don't get crap for having for being on your period and people s- dismissing what you say, your opinion because they think you're just saying it or you're just upset about something because you're on your period. That is very stressful and painful. <laughs> so before this guy was identified, like when this first came out, and I still didn't know that he had been identified, um, I was talking to uh, a, a gentleman I knew about um, about that. You know, they they need to take action. They need to find out who this was. Something needs to be done. He's created a hostile work environment. Every woman there now is has to suspect every man there of being the one who wrote this. And the person was was uh, against them doing any kind of sleuthing to to find that out. And I I found that interesting and a little disheartening because I think that this they really needed to know. And I'm glad they found out. But um, I I think this is uh, in line with Holly what you had said about uh, the the protection or um, even if it wasn't direct at him, just the the want of no action being taken. Uh, just because it might interfere with the the privacy of some workers at their desks, that it was surprising to me coming from this person, and I didn't uh, I didn't know how to take that, and I don't know how 
what's a good way to respond to some kind of some of this um, uh, uh, feces toweling that you have referred to? <laughs> uh, yeah, um, you know, the, the act of wiping your butt with a towel and throwing at someone. Um, that's what it's kind of like. That's what it feels like. It's when it's when the argument that men are making to defend their position is just so badly construed that it's it's intellectually offensive. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. no, we sh- we shouldn't eject this like sexist dude from our office because some people like might not like it, like to have their emails read or something. Um, and it's just like so it's so egregiously um, insulting to one's intelligence, right? That it's like you really don't see things from women's perspective. It's the, it's that revelatory moment that this person who swears they're your ally reveals themselves to just not be aware of dimensions of inequality that exist in the workplace. Like, they're just not aware of, like, what it feels like to feel like the person on your team is undermining you because they are sexist. Like, they don't know what that feels like. Or, you know, the person on your team is undermining you because they're they're closeted bigot and don't think that African-Americans should work at the workplace. And so they, like... They might not say anything out loud, but they are subtly in microaggression ways taking it out on you. And, and like, so. <laughs> oh, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, so like, there's that revelatory moment when you realize that a person you thought was more progressively minded or more really had thought more deeply about these kind of issues um, than you ever, you know, and then they reveal themselves to actually be kind of ignorant. Um, that's a really painful moment. And I think that's something that a lot of women are having right now with men in this country. And it goes beyond the Google thing. And that's why I'm like, we have to we have to start getting mad about the right things, right? I'm mad that that like, guy thought he, had it, he was entitled to sending people a 10-page document to read. I'm like, I wouldn't even read a 10-page document if you paid me, like well, at this point. I, I think like, another part that I'm really mad about, <laughs> it, beyond the fact that he assumed that um, everybody, it was worth everybody's time, is the fact that it, he either, that he assumed that he wouldn't, that people would be grateful for what he wrote, that they would be, like, celebratory and saying, oh, my God, you've been saying everything I've been thinking for years, and maybe it would give him a promotion, or he would be rewarded in some kind of way. It's written, to me, it's written in that way, in, in saying, like, oh, man, you're this genius of all this stuff that I just, like, it goes beyond what I've ever been thinking and wanting to say, and that he would be rewarded I don't think that he even fathomed that oh, he, he, he would be, be fired. Definitely. Yeah, he I don't think he fathomed he'd be fired or that he'd like, be punished in any way. But he's right. He's trying to raise money right now. <laughs> oh my god! Like he has like a GoFundMe and stuff. Like he's trying to bank on this. This is his moment. This is his alt-right moment, I guess. And um, he got a job offer from Julian Assange. Right. That's what, that's what I was about to say. He got a job offer from Julian Assange, and a lot of people. I was reading a lot of other people in tech that have been in it for like that are like mentors for me, and they they were like, "I'm not surprised by this at all." And they shared this article. It said that it was from a guy that he said um, uh, Jonathan Zunger, and he wrote on Medium, and his said it's titled "So about this Googler's manifesto." He had actually um, left um, uh, Google rec- before it happened um, for his own reasons. And then after all this broke, he was brought back in by people that worked like by Google to help deal with it all. And he breaks it down and says, you know, how what he would have done. 
and um, goes on from there. But he handle, he you know breaks it down in a very practical way. Um, and when he talks about like the ideological echo chamber, but that's when he wrote this and he put it out there. He was assuming that he would have an ideological echo chamber to, that would respond to him, even though he's criticizing the ideological echo chamber. And it is in every, pretty much everything he says in there about the tribe mentality. He criticizes it, but the people that are supporting him are going with the tribe mentality in supporting him and saying, yes, we need to criticize that tribe mentality because they're mad when women are supportive of women or minorities are supportive of women or you know, across the board, you know, when it, when it's, you know, it doesn't work in their favor, they hate it. But whenever it is in their favor, they like, don't mind it. And if, even if you point it out to them, they're like, no, no, that's not what I'm doing. I just agree with them without any really genuinely, like, invalid reason why or research to back up why they support it. And for me, it's, it's really just, um, it's frustrating that Am I entirely surprised if something like this has happened? No, because stuff like this has happened before. We've seen people have manifestos that put them out there right before they do something drastic. Um, and Right, what's next? What's he, what's he going to do now? Someone made a comment that you, this is something that you might see if they were about to go shoot, like, That's walk into their job. That's what I was job. Ta- yeah, like, this is what you say before you shoot up a Planned Parenthood. Yeah, and, um, or, like, we've we had a lot of shootings in the U.S., and people have written manifestos or referenced someone's manifesto that inspired them to do that, and for me, it's like, well, what was, you know, what what was his next step? Um, what, what, what was his plan? Uh, what was he upset about, and what who is he? Like, what's he going to do? And it makes me concerned about the people that are around him, especially the people that, you know, he he fired. Is he going to take it out on anyone um, directly or indirectly? And I'm sure he's got a following now of people that think that, you know, he's worth listening to. And that's really infuriating. Right. Like Town Hall and Breitbart are in love with him, I'm sure. And uh, Holly, I just wanted to get your take on it. Like, do you think this guy is capable of walking around and not being not thrown off microaggressions at everyone like uh at, and do you think that he is capable of functioning in in a in a society where where he will have to work next to and with women like is this what's the prognosis for something like this I mean no of course not he he, like, he literally has proven himself unfit to work in a place with human beings like that's what writing this manifesto says it says I don't think human all like all these people who don't look like me are less human than I am like, that's what he's saying. Like, I'm like, that's literally straight up what Nazis think. Um, and so at that level, I'm, you know, that level of incompetency. And it was funny because when you, um, Heather, when you said in the beginning about, like, it's not all on Google. And it's funny to me is that, like, the hiring process should make you very aware that if you ever publish something like this right. in a corporate capacity, you will be immediately terminated. Like, that should have been very aware. Like, he should, like, he, there shouldn't have been any ambiguity. And I'm wondering <laughs> if that was clear and he knew that writing this or if it wasn't clear and then he wrote it because the person that wrote the article it was made it very clear that this wasn't okay and it wasn't accepted based well, on their policies. He, he got the handbook and probably said TLDR. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And so, again, this comes back to something I've talked to a lot about with people in tech is onboarding. Is like when you're bringing people onto a team and they don't have any people skills, and it's like you know, you know, usually there's a three month probationary period when you're hired anyway, yeah, almost anywhere to see if you fit in with the team, 
And it's, like, really fascinating to me if, like, during those onboarding sessions, there's nothing about um, how to deal with people who are different than you. Every employee should have onboarding that deals with that. You know, not just him. I mean, literally anybody who gets employed by Google. And they have the money to do it. Yeah. Like, yeah, and, anybody. And I think it's different when it, like, I'm not saying if you're a smaller company, you shouldn't have it. But my warnings towards people when they're like, oh, I want to get in the games industry. I want to get into tech. I say, or any, any job, I say, make sure that you um, meet the people that work there. And even if you go, if you really need a job, like, have a plan. If you, if you're like, I really need a job to pay the bills and they offer me a job. But if you don't love the culture there, have a, have a plan for an out. You know, you want to work, you don't need to work at a job that you, where you hate it and you hate the people around you and work there for 20 years. Right. Right. You don't need to do that your whole life. You can work there until you like build up your skill set, build up your resume and then say, okay, what's my next step? And find the, find the place that you want to be, find the community where you're happy and where they value you as a person and that they do have a solid vetting process. And the gaming industry is very, it's like a vetting process is pretty thorough um, for a lot of the companies because they've had issues as that. If you can't, you're going to be working long hours with these people. If you don't get along with them and you can't like, and it's like 2 a.m. and you're, you have a deadline and you're like, yeah, having a little bit of a tiff of like, I'm just tired is different than I'm going to write a 10-page manifesto because you are a woman and I am a man and you just don't understand anything that, you know, uh, because you're a woman. He clearly couldn't handle the stress of it. Yeah. (laughs) So I wanted to remind listeners, you're tuned into Issues for Your Tissues. My guests tonight, Hollywood, who is a sociologist who received her PhD from Harvard and her BA from Wesleyan. She is an all-around great writer. You can find her stuff on Medium, and uh, I've posted that to the Issues for Your Tissues Facebook page, which you can access if you go to co-op.org and click yourself to Issues for Your Tissues and find all the links to all the things that are about Issues for Your Tissues. My other guest tonight is Heather Ross, who is a NARAL Pro-Choice Texas board member and uh, co-founder of, co-refounder of the Women in Games Austin chapter. Uh, she also works at a local game company and uh, is all around uh, a great resource for the community. So I, I'm happy to have you both here talking about uh, sexism in the workplace, specifically about Bro, who used to work at Google. And uh, we're going to be right back after another announcement with more Issues for Your Tissues. Welcome back to Issues for Your Tissues. My guests tonight, Dr. Holly Wood and Heather Ross, we're talking about sexism in the workplace. And, you know, one of the things that... that um, one of the terms that I've been using to try to describe some of this stuff lately is microaggressions. And oddly or ironically enough, a number of uh, cishet white men don't know or can't understand the concept of that. And I just wanted to ask, ask you, Dr. Wood, if you could share a definition or some examples of some microaggressions, be they sexist or um, intersectional or directed at minorities or just just something so that people can begin to understand that and become more aware even though this is something that people typically aren't aware of gotcha okay um a microaggression is basically something that um may not at first brush because like i said before we tend to see society through the lens work of the most dominant group right so we see we see society as largely masculinized right 
like we think the good things are masculine and the bad things are feminized, right? Like women who are too emotional are hysterical. And so men are like, they feminize hysterical emotion, right? So stop being a girl, right? Stop being so girly, like suck it up, mm-hmm. right? So that like, that's kind of a microaggression. It's kind of like saying it says this whole group of people is someone you don't want to be like. Like stop being like a girl. And it's like basically saying all these girls are terrible. Don't be like them. And, and so these little tiny regressives, like these are the little things that build up over the course of a day, like stop being so hysterical. And it could just be because men aren't used to like talking in an emotional language that a woman who is crying really upsets them and they have a hard time with it and they'll tell her to stop being, you know, grow up, stop being such a child. Because in their whole worldview, you know, men don't show their emotions. Women do. And so, like, it's, it's tagged as bad. Emotion's bad. And so microaggressions, um, uh, if, on a racial, you know, society, it would be another example is, you know, not a gender-specific one, but a race-specific one would be something like, well, you're really um, articulate. And, mm. you know, for what? A black man. Yeah. Right? And so... You know, black men I know get told that all the time. Like, oh, you're so articulate. As if going to college as a black man is, like, so unusual, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and they and that's a microaggression. They're like, oh, my God. Or Every time so, that happens. Or, or you're so white because you, you know, don't, you don't talk in the their minds of a stereotypical black way a black person or. That uh, seems like a, a, a bigger, bigger than microaggression. But it's said like a microaggression. It's like all the time. Yeah. Right. It's said as a compliment, right? Like, wow, you're just really white for a black guy. Yeah. Like I hear that one too. You know, yeah, I've heard that before and it's, and it's, it doesn't seem aggressive, right? Cause they're saying it as a compliment in their perspective, calling a black person very white is seen as a compliment because in their perspective, white sounding white sounds good. Being black is bad. Right. That's, Yikes, but yeah. it's, it's it's like an iceberg thing, right? Where it's like if they're saying that, if they genuinely believe that, what else do they believe? Right, like <laughs> like the id of their nastiness is un- still to be uncovered. Yeah. Right, if that's how they interpret reality, like what else do they? And that's really where the danger of somebody writing a manifesto like this really comes from, because it's like if this is what they're willing to share, what else are they hiding? <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's when women really get uncomfortable, right? Like if there's like you if you see a guy sexually harass a woman at work, you're like, oh, oh man, what else is he capable of, right? Like because mm-hmm. once you once you breach one boundary, how many more boundaries are they going to go? You never know. And once you start asking that question, it becomes very it comes it's really scary for you know women and and minority groups. Especially um, when pe- when people do those things, they have those microaggressions, and then you like. You look uncomfortable, and the people around you, like the, if you're if you're like the only woman, and they're all males around you, and they dismiss it as if it, and you, or even if you say something, and it still gets dismissed, it's like, oh, he's just having a rough day, and it's like, yeah, but when I have a rough day, I don't say something like that, you know. There, there is there is a significant difference. Like if that if they are actually truly express that they're expressing some part of themselves. Um, when they say that, right? There's no just just kidding. Yeah, you can't just say um, something like that and then just go just kidding because it doesn't erase it. Maybe it makes you feel better, but it doesn't make the other person feel ba- better. And that was kind of Holly, like what you had said in your article about the locker room talk, or just 
being a being a guy or or that kind of stuff but that it, it just it feels and, and it, as icky as it sounds to me and or I guess it makes it it just elicits yuck feelings and um I think we got to do better than that what what do you what can we do other than just continue to call it out well before you go into that I want to really have you like you know have you like elaborate on I've I've had this issue because I've had to address it a lot. Where you go, um, where we talked about it this week, whenever we were at the uh, Women in Tech conference, about how men are just mean to each other, and it's rudeness. But they say it's just being guys, and when you try to talk to them about it, it's like, oh, it didn't really hurt my feelings. It's just men, you know, just bros being bros or guys being guys, and it becomes this kind of complex of. I'm, you're making me feel like a completely isolated here because to me, that's not, um, that, that's not, that's actually just being rude. And what are your suggestions on how to address things like that and, um, and how to move forward as a, as a culture, society? Oh my God. I mean, I love that example because that's exactly the problem is that these guys are like, oh, it's just bros being bros. I'm like, okay, so you're assuming our workplace should function on the metric of bros. Right. Like, everybody should just know that, right? Uh, you know, not everyone in here is a straight white man, right? Right. Not all of us interact with each other like that. When we see that, that looks like hostility, and it's, we're interpreting in our mind as a hostile workplace. So when you think this is fine, everyone else around you is interpreting this as a hostile workplace. And so it's your perception, again, where you're so privileged that you think the whole workplace should run on your interpretation of reality. And it's like, that's really, it's not just calling out like, oh, hey, I don't like that. It's calling out that entitlement to perspective. That's saying that this is how I see things. And if you don't see things the way the workplace, and that, to answer your question, what's the solution to that? Well, onboarding. Like when you bring people into an organization or you bring them into a group or you bring them into a a workplace setting, you need to onboard. Like there needs to be some kind of ritual where you learn about the rules and the accepted practices and the protocols and all these things. And I think a lot of people really cut the corners here. And it does cost a lot of, like, interpersonal drama. Because people don't know how to act. And they, and they assume that their perspective is the right one. And it significantly affects the workplace because you're spending so much time on, and um, effort and energy on that drama that you're not, getting, you're not able to, you know, work efficiently and put, you know, in, on so many levels and it's going to affect, you know, people's jobs because it's going to affect how much the company makes, which means that people might lose their jobs in return and it just becomes this really vicious cycle that doesn't end. And I think for me, what I'm really like, I'm going, this already happened. We can't take it back. He already put it out there. There's been, you know, all the flash, like all this stuff that's happened in response to it. We can't take that back. And when things like this happen, we can't take it back, but we can decide, we can choose how we, what we're going to do in response and how we're going to move forward. So when people ask me, like, what do we do? I go, okay, you have to decide. I'm going to get my, give myself so much time for venting and complaining about this. And then after I'm done, I'm going to go, okay, I got that off my chest. And then you go, what am I going to do? How am I going to move forward and improve things and use this as a learning experience for the community. And for me, I really like what you said about onboarding and saying, and just, and it's really a good learning experience for companies of all sizes, inside tech and outside tech to um, say, well, we don't want something like this to happen. 
what we can what can we do to improve things and prevent it and doing things like onboarding and making sure that it is a safe space for everybody um, and that you don't hire people that are going to cause a a hostile work environment, regardless of like, oh, they may have like 20 PhDs, but if they're hostile to work with, are they really going to be worth it? And it's the answer is no, because nobody's going to enjoy working with them and you're going to run through people and it costs more to just hire and fire people than to have one really amazing person that you have to no, like, pay for. Yeah, it's like, how oh, we work with this person, but we go through about 20 people every year just to work with them because, you know, they're so difficult to work with and no one wants to work with them and they feel completely unsafe. Um, but, and I think, there's, I think there's, a, there's a give and take to this and it's something that I am thinking about a lot. It's a lot of workplaces have no onboard training whatsoever with how to work with teams. And one of the skills you really don't learn in college is how to work in teams. Um, yeah. And that's something that causes a lot of workplace friction is that, you know, people will hire consultants and they'll pay consultants like me a lot of money to come in and, like, teach people how to talk to each other. Yeah. But it's not, like, like it should just be a thing that is built into the corporate structure. It's like when you hire people, there should be, like, training. There should be, there should be on-the-job training of how to deal with other people. And it should include some lessons in sociology. Like, clearly, this guy just made up his own sociology. He's like, oh, well, women are like this and men are like this. He, like, fit in research that he thought they gleaned from the Internet to make his points. But, like... Which is where you can, like, find anything on the Internet to validate, to make you feel like you're validated in your opinion and view of things. It doesn't work like that way. (laughs) And if if you had an onboarding system, right, if you had a way to have that, if that guy had to sit through three, three months of, like, of, like, hour-long classes a day of how to interact with people and relate to other people and things like that, he'd probably quit. Yeah. Because he's, like, he'd be so offended and, like, make such a ruckus and noise that HR would be like, I think you don't want to work here. If this is so bothersome to you to have, like, lessons in how to be a nice person and deal with your colleagues and, like, deal with your stress, like, maybe this isn't the right place for you. Well, and I think a thing about it that I keep, I keep going back to in my mind is the fact when people are defending him saying he shouldn't be fired, it's like his, they don't want to see a, dude, a guy um, in a form of tribalism lose their job. But if it was a woman in the same scenario, they're like, they should have fired her. I totally get it. And then they would have said something horrible. Um, and it's well, not the same. It's, we don't get that same treatment. Um, it's very much more of if it's a guy, you should be, he's worth more. His value is more. And he sh- um, I just don't see women uh, writing 10-page screeds about um, how things are all against them in the workplace, even if they're feeling it, because it more likely is for them. Yes. Uh, with just a minute left, uh, how would you summarize the, the three earthquakes and your feelings at this point, Holly? Uh, what are my feelings about this? Yes, about, about this situation or about moving forward. Just any closing thoughts you have for listeners. I think the answer is to just start getting angry. If a guy defends this to you, just be done with it. They're like, look, you are just... I'm not even going to humor or entertain your perspective on this matter. You, you like, you're just done. You revoked, you lost your privilege. You can't talk about this stuff anymore. You don't know what you're talking about. Thank you. And Heather, <laughs> closing thoughts. I, I would say, you know, take the steps. If you're looking what to do next, um, take steps, vent about it, find, find your people to talk to that, you know, you can trust and feel safe around 
and then say, what are we going to do about it? What, what is something positive that we can put out there in the world in response? Or what, in, what organizations can we get involved in that support what our, vi- our view of things? And, or maybe if you don't have the time to volunteer, where can you, like, what organizations can you go donate to to really support those values as opposed to just being sitting in there in that anger? I think for me it's really important that we focus that anger towards a positive good and that really helps grow things exponentially and really create the change that we want in this world. I want to thank both of you for joining me tonight to talk about this. I know it's been uh, invigorating for me, and I think my my takeaway is just to continue to try to call it out anytime I encounter it. So thanks for the the professional insight, Holly, and I'm looking forward to reading more of your writing. Thank you. And thanks, Heather, for, as always, for your insight and the technical expertise that you bring into the show. It's, It's always a pleasure. Thank you very much for having us. All right, guys, uh, stay tuned to co-op at koop.org, and uh, good night.